Welcome to the Chronic Sex Podcast. Chronic Sex talks about how self-love, relationships, sex, and sexuality are all affected by chronic illness and disability. That's not all, though. We'll also touch on intersectionality, social justice, empathy, current events, and much, much more. Given the range of subject matter, this podcast is not suitable for those under the age of 18, and unless you have headphones, you probably shouldn't be listening to us at work. My name's Kirsten Schultz, and I'm your host. I'm so excited for this episode, you guys. Um, I'm releasing it actually a week earlier than I planned because... Kate Scalisi, who I'm speaking with today, has a really fun, exciting um, workshop planned for February 1st, and I wanted to give everybody a little bit of time to be able to register for that if you're in the Chelsea-ish area of New York City, and she'll talk about that towards the end of our episode. Um, Now let's introduce Kate. She is an award-winning sex educator who focuses mainly on vulva and vagina owners who crave a more intimate, exciting, and fulfilling sex life. Through her fun and practical blog posts and workshops, she helps you say, oh my god, yes, to your desires, and hell no to the societal bullshit holding you back while feeling really, really comfortable. She likes living room dance parties, steamy romance novels, And basically just being the coolest person ever. Um, I met her back in August at the Woodhull Sexual Freedom Summit last year, and it was so much fun to finally meet her in person. I felt like we'd talked a lot before the summit, and um, she's just one of those people who is really, really cool, very exciting, and brings her energy into everything she does. Um... As we talk about in our conversation, she also deals with chronic illness fun, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit about navigating that in a relationship, Um, relationship boundaries, and just, I think, everything else under the sun, honestly. (laughs) So without further ado, here's my conversation with Kate. Hi, Kate. How are you? Great. How are you? I am so good. I'm so happy that you're here. It's really exciting. And for people who don't know who you are, which I can't imagine there's a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Then you realize, but thank you. (laughs) Could you um, do like a a brief introduction to yourself and kind of talk about um, what you do, why you do it and all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So hi, everyone. Hi, Chronic Sex Podcast people. I'm Kate, and I'm a sex educator who primarily works with women in relationships who have really strong, great partnerships, but their sex life is missing something. And they really want their sex life to be as intimate, exciting, and fulfilling as the rest of their relationships. So I do that through workshops and one-on-one coaching slash counseling and blog posts and fun interviews like this. And one area that I that I specialize in is women who are going through some some shit in their lives, particularly physical shit in their lives, <laughs> um, because I'm someone who has multiple chronic issues, and so that inevitably gets interwoven into the work that I do and also the people that I end up serving. 
That's so cool. And like the work you do is so awesome. It's it yeah. reaches such a wide audience too. I mean, you've been in what, like Brides and Cosmo and US News and a whole bunch of other publications talking about all this cool work you do. It's it's really exciting, and I realize I didn't answer the why, but um, I really stumbled into this work. Like, I had the opportunity to sell sex toys in college, and I was like, okay, yeah, I guess I'll, I can make some extra money doing this. And it was very much just like, make some extra money and be done with it. But um, I, when I saw what a need there was, and for context, I wasn't a Catholic college, um, so when I saw what a need there was. To the point that for two years after I graduated, I had to do monthly trips and I love doing it. So I I don't say like had to, like it was drudgery. It was awesome. I got to visit friends and like be back in college for a little bit. Um, But for two whole years, every single month, I was going back to my alma mater to do a weekend full of sex toy parties because that like I wasn't even there anymore. So from that, I really realized that that, you know, for me, sex was something that had always come really easily and there was a certain ease and freedom in it. And that's what I really want for everyone. That's what I want for all of my clients, for all the people I interact with, for just everyone in the world, Um, which is why my tagline is find freedom and pleasures. I want people to feel that sense of ease and freedom and peace with their pleasure, with their sex life, instead of shame and guilt and taboo and ugh-ness. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's technical. (laughs) It sounds like one I'd come up with, so I love it. <laughs> and and I love that that's your tagline. Like, I, I think so much of what we go through as human beings comes down to that dynamic between pleasure and pain, but, you know, also, you know, joy and confidence and then shame and you know, that ickness, like, and, and how we, how we navigate kind of the contrast between those two sides. So I think it's such a great tagline. Thank you. I, I was also seeing on your site that you have, um, cause I was stalking you this morning. It's fine. Right, I <laughs> um, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> it's great. Internet stuff is the best. Um, I, you know, that that one of the things you have on your site is the saying about how sex intersects with everything. Yeah. And it is just so, like, it's so simple, but so profound. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, how did and you kind of come up with that? Yeah, so like many sex educators in the last couple of years, my work has been really heavily influenced by Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are. Um, I'm starting to think I should should be getting uh, some sort of compensation for talking about this book so much. Um, and really, for me, what that book did was put into concrete, clear language a lot of what I had been teaching and kind of all the threads that I had that were that were messy and all over the place and chaotic. And it kind of I was reading it going, oh my gosh, this fe- some of this feels like it came from my brain. And I don't mean that as like this humble brag way, but as a, she so succinctly was able to put together things that I had been thinking about. And so the, the more I looked, the more I realized that, you know, 
when I was, you know, doing these sex story parties, right? Very, very naive at the time, very uninformed, very entrenched in a lot of the societal myths and BS that we have around sex and pleasure. But what I was hearing from people, yes, sometimes about a sex toy or a position that didn't work for them or an interaction that like didn't go great or whatever that, but more than that, I was hearing about, you know, how stressed they were and how they weren't able to shut their minds up during sex and how they had been injured, right? So I'm dealing with college students often at this time. So like, you know, they had been injured playing whatever sport or whatever. And I was also seeing how, for me, those things were also impacting it. So I was in a long-term relationship. Um, my relationship that I'm still currently in was long distance for eight and a half years. And for me seeing like what was going on in my life and how that impacted the time that my partner and I would, when we would spend together, like the mood of it, the sex that we had and so on and so forth, particularly as a few years turned into half a dozen years turned into a dozen years and beyond. And so really seeing that so much of what impacts our sex life doesn't have to really do with the mechanics of sex. And we still need to be having those conversations about how you can, you know, either adapt a sex position to work for you and your partner and the geometry of your bodies um, or the whatever, you know, things you have going on in your body or what sex toys will work for you and so on and so forth. But ultimately, a lot of what holds us back from fully experiencing freedom and pleasure is other stuff. It's stress. It's, again, distraction. Um, body image issues, body stuff going on, and I say that broadly to include injury, illness, et cetera, et cetera, um, tensions in other parts of other relationships in your life, like not feeling fulfilled in your work, all of these things ultimately impact how we see ourselves, how we see ourselves as a sexual partner, and then how we like feel about ourselves and sex and so on and so forth. It's so it's good. So good. <laughs> that was good. I don't know where that came from. That was good. <laughs> I'll have to like write it down and we can put it up somewhere for you. <laughs> yeah, a couple of um, the, the business mentorship program that I'm in, uh, one of the calls we just had, they, she, the woman who leads it kind of riffed and it. it ended up being like, we were all in the comments box being like, preach, preach, preach. And I feel like I, I was like channeling a little bit there. <laughs> She just like went off and, uh, and like 10 minutes later, we're all like, that was a spiritual experience. Thank you, Natalie. And I'm, I'm hoping that some people listening got something out of what I just ripped up. <laughs> I know I did. So hopefully someone else did. <laughs> One person, that's all you need. <laughs> right? It's perfect. <laughs> so you, you mentioned that you have some chronic illness crud going on. Do you want to talk a little bit about yeah. that? That's jam. I'm um I'm very open about it, uh, in part and in no small part because prior to my diagnosis, I had many people, thankfully, thankfully for me, thankfully they're not thankfully for everyone, but um in my life who have chronic stuff and were extremely open in their experiences. So when I got my diagnosis, I didn't even think about not sharing. Like it is a completely foreign concept to feel like embarrassed to talk about chronic health issues. It just, it didn't even cross my mind. Um, although I recognize the reality and I, un- I can understand it very cognitively, but I can't understand it kind of from like a body feelings place as much. Um, because I just, I had all of these friends and loved ones who that was their MO. So that's kind of the bubble I was living in. And then I got out of that bubble. So 
um, back in 2016, <laughs> all that's to say, back in 2016, uh, I was diagnosed with both Crohn's disease, which is a form of inflammatory bowel disease, or IBD, as well as ankylosing spondylitis, which is, I won't tell you how many days I walked around trying to teach myself how to say that, um, which is a form of arthritis that primarily impacts um, part a part of the pelvis called the SI joint. It's a gorillac joint. And yeah, I, I joke with the Crohn's that I wasn't content talking about one taboo topic that I had to add <laughs> in a second. I was like, okay, this is this is why. Um, I couldn't just talk about sex. I had to talk about sex and poop, although not necessarily in like a fetish way, just in a like, hey, let's talk about it. And what I found with, with the Crohn's in particular, even more so than the arthritis, because the Crohn's has to deal with poop and this, although that's not all that it is, uh, is that when I went to my very first support group meeting, I was able to provide, I went to get support, obviously, but I was able to provide a tremendous amount of support unexpectedly because of it, knowledge I had as a sex educator. Mm-hmm. And so basically all, and I go to, I I go to um, a women's only group and basically every single one of them now owns a liberator pro (laughs) because I was like, Oh wait, there's a thing for that. Oh wait, there's a thing for that. Oh, there's a thing for that. (laughs) That's awesome. Doesn't know what the throw is. It is this magnificent, glorious, sexy, beautiful blanket that also happens to be waterproof. So when you're dealing with bodily fluids of any sort, it is a really great thing to have. And it looks like a regular blanket. So you can literally just keep it at the edge of your bed and no one's going to be any wiser unless they too have one. And then you can just kind of like, you know, wink at each other about your, your savviness. <laughs> <laughs> That's so perfect. And I think, I think the, the mix of talking about sex and poop is mm-hmm. a good one. You know what I mean? Because there is so much crossover between the shame we feel, you know, talking mm-hmm. about sex and then the shame we feel talking about poop. Like even removed from illness, like mm-hmm. there's so much shame in those two topics and then you add illness stuff in too and it's just it's like a mm-hmm. party. <laughs> yeah, and, and again for me, I had friends where we all talked about our poop. Like so it wasn't not talking about it, just like with sex, I was always very open about sex. So not talking about these things was never an option for me because that was just, that was just how I went. And I realized the incredible like privilege and beauty in that for me. And again, that drives when, when I, you know, very naively again, early on when I was like, Oh, not everyone is like this, huh? Right. You have, you're like, you know, it's like a, a 21 year old or whatever. And you're like, Oh, the rest of the world and I aren't necessarily all the same. Um, <laughs> shocker. Oh, oh my God, who would have thought? Um, I, that, I started realizing, I was like, for the people who want this, I, I would love, I want to help facilitate them having it. Mm-hmm. That it that because it, the shame and it just, it weighs on you and it drains you. And I don't totally buy into the whole like shame makes you sick thing, but I don't think it makes you better. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of the energetics I'm and woo-woo I'm willing to dive into. Um, although any friends listening are laughing their asses off right now because they're like, are you wearing a crystal necklace? <laughs> what they're thinking right now. Um, and the answer is no. <laughs> but, uh, but point being, like, it just, it, it doesn't do good things for you. Mm-hmm. It may not do bad things, but it certainly does not help. Yeah, that I've found, like, for me, that holding in any of those negative feelings 
um, you know, just makes me feel like shit, whether it's mentally or emotionally. I'm making a poop. As soon as you said holding it in, my mind went to make a poop joke. <laughs> so thank you for just continuing that unintentionally. Or maybe it was intentional. It wasn't. Yeah, it was completely it not. Holding it in is never a good thing, whether we're talking about shame or your feelings or your poop. Don't hold it. There you go. Podcast done. We're done. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So. So I know that you deal with a lot of pain too with the ankylosing spondylitis and the Crohn's both. Is there is there anything you found that helps for you alleviate some of that pain or help you work around some of it? Um, yeah, so I also – so both Crohn's and the AS are autoimmune and I also have a second form of arthritis right now, which is not autoimmune. It's, it's mechanical. Basically uh, – I, my muscles are imbalanced and messed up, up enough right now that I, I'm out of alignment. Um, and I've developed a curve. And also mechanical. And if anyone's keeping score here, um, what, something that's fascinating to me is that it's all in one part of my body. It's literally from like on my right side from my waist to like mid-thigh. And that's where my Crohn's inflammation is. That's the cur- the curve that's developed in my spine is there. That's the inflamed us. I draw it like it's literally this one area, which I'm doing a lot of exploring into. Um, you know, I one of the things that's challenging for me and my treatment team is that I have chronic pain, but then I also have these very real mechanical issues with my body. I have this curve that I've developed. I have this second form of arthritis. I have muscle imbalances. And so in any given day, it's a matter of, you know, it's still a guessing game of like, okay, is what I need rest right now? Or is what I need movement? Because we tend to respond to pain with rest. That's the standard narrative. And often that's what you do for acute things. You rest it. Um, But for certain forms of arthritis, including the one that I have, and certainly for the muscle imbalances and the other things going on, movement tends to be better which is a little bit of a mind fuck. And still sometimes I'm like, Oh, that's right. Move. And so definitely kind of working through that in my mind. Um, there's what, what's developed for me though, is this deep fear and lack of trust, this fear of moving too much, hurting myself further, this lack of trust in my body's ability to do what it's supposed to, because so often it doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to just like walk this way. And I'm like, Nope, Nope. You're not doing that today. I'll walk two blocks. Nope, nope, nope. So often overcoming those is even more so than overcoming the pain. And like once I get into it, um, into whatever movement I'm doing, it's fine. Um, and so walking my dog has been incredibly helpful. Um, sadly, my go-to, which was orgasms, has not been because we have discovered some tightness, um, some some trigger points in my vagina through pelvic floor therapy, uh, which like we could do a whole episode when you want to do, let's do a whole episode about pelvic floor physical therapy. Please. Yes. Yes. It, it's such a mind fuck. And I'm so fat. I'm like, well, you're pressing my vagina and I'm having my neck and shoulder pain be mimicked. What? Like what? I know the body's connected, but what? So <laughs> back to the question. I'm rambling. Uh, that's the question at hand. Uh, Moving for me definitely helps a bit as long as I am fairly gentle in my movements and I'm a bit mindful of how I'm moving, which in and of itself can be mentally exhausting. Orgasm sometimes helps. Um, 
Baths with Epsom salt are the number one thing that for me consistently, if I'm having a really high pain day, will calm my system down enough. Um, and a good restorative yoga class with, in, with an instructor who knows how to manage chronic issues, which has been the New York City yoga scene is interesting. And it's very, it's taken me four years, over four years of living here to find a truly restorative class with instructors who can kind of accommodate all of my stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and who don't take it personally when I modify as needed, like who genuinely mean it when they say, listen to your body. So those are the things that for me have been, have worked. Getting the dog was helpful in that it forces me to move every day. Oh yeah. But oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least once a day I'm like, oh, I have to take this thing out because we don't have a yard. So like, I have to like, okay, you have to go to the bathroom probably. Right. <laughs> right. Back to poop again. <laughs> <laughs> Everything comes down to poop. <laughs> and all, literally, it all gets turned into poop. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were mentioning about your partner and how you guys have been together for a very long time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it weird when you like sit there and you go, "Wait, it's been that long? What?" Uh, we're, I'm like, we're we're approaching the point at which we. We're only a few years away from we will have been together longer than we would have not been together mm-hmm. in our lives. And like that, that, I think that point is going to be the big, like, holy shit point. <laughs> right? It's so weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, good weird, obviously. Good weird. But especially for us, because it was, you know, everyone's like, how did you do it? How did you do it? Oh, my God. And I'm like, because we were just like, okay, do we still like each other? Cool. Let's keep doing this. And like, we met on a cruise. None none of our family expected, we didn't expect it to last. So like, here we are 13 years later going, oh, I guess we still like each other. Like, we really actually like each other. (laughs) That's such a great way to approach it too. We didn't, we both had big career dreams. uh, And we were, we, again, we met on a cruise. We didn't go to the same high school. We didn't go to the same college. Uh, he lived abroad for a little, uh, right around a year. Uh, and you just kind of have to, for us, it it wasn't not planning for the future. In fact, it's kind of bitten us in the ass when we finally moved in together. Because we're like, oh, we should probably start operating as a, like, a couple unit now. Because for so long, we were two people who came together periodically and who kept saying, yes, we still like each other. Yes, we still want this. And now, like, we're together, together. And once we got past that honeymoon stage, oh, my God, we're together. We're actually together. This is amazing. It was like, oh, we need to operate as a, as a, as a unit. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard after eight and a half years of not operating as a unit. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I'm sure, like, being so used to, like, doing your own thing, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, I often also will say, like, we're both fiercely independent. Again, sometimes it bites us in the ass. Um, but any relationship has the things that you need to revisit and renegotiate over and over again. And as things change, when you get a dog, when you get new health diagnoses, when jobs change, when you move, you have to renegotiate those again. Mm-hmm. I don't think everyone tends to do it. But I would say the successful relationships I see my own included, uh, so I own that maybe a bias, you know, they continue continually have those conversations mm-hmm. and rework those relationship agreements, formalize or not. Absolutely. I know for for me and my husband, it's been like, I think it took 
nine years for me to get that I couldn't like fix his depression. And it, it wasn't necessarily that like I wanted to fix his depression, like going through therapy and stuff and learning about like things about how I grew up and how I was like groomed into, you know, working in certain roles. And so like, I want to cheer you up because you are sad, like was a very natural thing for me. And I think it's, I think it's one of those things, at least for me, where I see therapy being so helpful to all of this too. Like talking to someone that's not in the household. <laughs> and you can say anything to you. I'm actually, uh, you're catching me at quite a tender time because last week I had both a physical therapy breakthrough and a therapy breakthrough. Uh, and this, it's a very fragile, ripe for growth, painful, leading to the rainbow at the end or the pot of gold at the end mm-hmm. of the rainbow uh, time. So what I will say is co-signing fully. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but right now I hate it. Right. It, it really sucks when you're going through it. And then after you're like, oh, I understand myself. This is, this is yeah, okay. Exactly. But in the moment, you're like, why is it so hard? And that's I have spent a lot of time crying on the couch coming with my dog in the last week and a half. And and to your point about, you know, being being groomed to be in certain roles, like feeling intense guilt over not producing more and doing more and like, I have this business to run. And like, you know, right now what I need is to tend to my heart. And like, right now that looks like watching a lot of Grace and Frankie yes. and crying to my dog who still does not understand that tears are tasty and he should be licking them off of my face. <laughs> trying to his fur uh, for long periods of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's- to, the, to the yoga point, how I knew I found my new yoga home after six years of not having a yoga home was that I sobbed on my mat yesterday. And I was like, and it was, I was thanked afterwards. Oh. By the- and I was like, okay, yoga home, here you go, auto renew, take, take my money, it's all yours. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, I feel like we all need that kind of space. You know what I mean? We do. And it's so hard to find. Mm-hmm. So, so, so hard to find. Especially if you're in a big city in a small apartment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do you like living in New York? Oh my God, I love it so, so much. So much. I, this is my city. I don't know why I thought I could ever live anywhere else. <laughs> Even as I hate it, and even as I know that it's not the best for me. Um, so one of the things that we discovered in physical therapy is that my one of the things that's going on is that I don't get good core activation. Mm-hmm. So through my, my butt and my stomach and, and my pelvic floor, like it just doesn't, well, it's starting to, but like those muscles just literally don't turn on. Yep. Everything around them, like my neck tries to lift for my core. It's mm-hmm. not... Uh, for anyone listening who's like a little confused I promise you it's not good but what we found is that if I close my eyes my core activates much more quickly and has a much longer uh, what is the word I'm looking for endurance there you go Um, and I find that so fascinating living in in the city that literally that never sleeps Mm -hmm. that where there's such high um, and such intense stimulation constantly and I know with with chronic pain a lot of the new research is about how can we de- it's, it's really nervous system overactivation it's not just like acute pain that's keeping on keeping on mm-hmm. it's that your nervous system is, is overactivated overstimulated and so that was a really big moment 
I can talk about the PT breakthrough. I can't talk about the therapy. That's okay. <laughs> that was a really big moment for me to realize that I need to be even more intentional about creating those spaces of silence and peace and lack of stimulation where I'm just being mm-hmm. my eyes closed. And that ultimately in the long run is going to help my body on so many levels. In addition to, to my mental health and my relationships and every other way and my sex life and every other way in which mindfulness is, is a good thing. <laughs> uh huh. still I, I, uh, again, have had very similar things. Like part of why I have, um, migraines and stuff is actually because of my neck, because the muscles are too tight because they're trying to lift for my core. So I totally get this. Well, if you ever want to come to New York, I have someone who's great and amazing and they, they do like two week intensives for out of towners. Oh my God. That is actually <laughs> so tempting. <laughs> uh, her name is also Caitlin. She was born the day before me. And her, we like, I would like check in and be like, hi, Caitlin for Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my gosh. I love New York so much. Like every time I'm there, it's really hard for me to just sit still. I mean, it, it always is anyway, but like. <laughs> same right because you just want to take everything in and experience it all and like enjoy the moment mm-hmm. you can't just do that all the time <laughs> well you can't you you will get pushed or shoved or something yes. <laughs> you're slowing us down we're, we got big dreams we're making come true <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh so with with your relationship, how have you found the like partner caregiver type of dynamic? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I'm like, how much can I say? I know it's there's tricky. No, no, there's a great story I want to tell, but I cannot check with him if it's okay to tell, so I'm not going to tell it. Um, because consent from partners when telling stories is important. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, especially within a, in a large platform like a podcast. Uh, so it has certainly been um, mm, clusterfuck. We'll go with that word. Um, yeah, it is. It's hard, and it's hard when your whatever's going on with your body really severely impacts your sex life. Like anything that goes on in your body is going to, but when it like causes a massive change in your sex life, you kind of also, we've also lost a bit of that couple connection because of things just aren't functioning the way that they used to function (laughs) Um, for me. And so, you know, I, I think the best example of this is like when I do my colonoscopy prep, I kick him out. I'm like, I don't care if it's a Sunday, get out. Like, I just, I don't want you home for this because you don't need I don't, I don't need you. Like, you got my jello. We got the nice fluffy toilet paper. We made sure that I had Epsom salts to soak in. And then I call my mom and have her talk at me for the 20 minutes it takes for me to drink the shit that you have to drink um, to, like, distract me so that I don't puke. Um, and then he comes home and basically goes to sleep. So we've had to find the little... The little things for us that are kind of like, I don't need you here. And I kind of don't want you here. We live in a one bedroom. There's no fan in the bathroom. 
you don't, you don't need to be here. <laughs> just, you just don't. There's no reason for it. Um, so for us, it's just kind of been figuring out, like, you know, what are the things where can we, how can we maintain intimacy without going into that, like a little bit too comfortable? Um, and there's no, you know, there is no guide on how to do that. And there's no single right answer on how to do that. It's about your body, your relationship. Um, and so for us, that's like I said, just one small example of it. And even, um, my pelvic floor physical therapist said, like, I'm happy to train your partner how to do this. And I get the sense that probably comes from the fact that often health insurance companies don't really cover mm-hmm. or if they do, they don't cover a lot. And I said, you know, if, if we need to, if something happens with my insurance and we need to, we can have that conversation. But for now, I would prefer him interacting with my generals in a very different way. <laughs> but I, I don't really want that to get mixed up. So it's, again, it's, like the relationship agreements, that constant kind of assessing and renegotiating and figuring out what does and doesn't work for you. That's so important. And I I really like that you've kind of drawn this line as to what he should be involved in or not. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm sure that you guys talk about stuff. Like it's not that you're keeping him in the dark about stuff. Obviously he knows when you have to drink that gross crap and like, hoop for like hours straight but like <laughs> hours fucking work God. yeah uh yeah and I, you know there definitely were a lot of firsts we were relatively while i talked about poop a lot with my friends that wasn't like bodily functions weren't things that he and i tended to talk about a lot um and that was more from from his perspective and i just respected that it's fine um but that had to change last year. Like I remember saying to him, like, I have to talk to you about my poop now because I have this thing that makes me poop a lot and makes me poop in ways that are not good and so on and so forth. So like, we don't need to talk about it like all the time, but like, I have to be able to talk to you about it in some way, shape or form because it's now a a significant part of my health Mm -hmm. versus like texting friends selfies from wallet with like the poop emoji, like while Great, you know, from a boundary setting perspective, it's great practice 
to to how we set boundaries with anyone, whether it's a parent or a best friend or whoever. Um, doing it with a partner when you know that things can change very quickly, I think is is good practice for bringing that into the rest of your life. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I I think I keep uh, my husband at, at bay a lot with some of the stuff. Um, just because I'm stubborn, not really because. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think too, there is also, there's also the emotional labor piece of it in that, you know, as a, as a woman, I've been socialized to do a lot of caring. And so if he gets sick, I'm like researching and like finding remedies and doing all these things. And I think if anything, that was the harder piece to navigate is that like, yes, I have to, you have to communicate, but I really just wanted him to be asking me, how are you? What hurts? Are you, you know, not like, and literally not like, are you in pain? Because for, for large portions of the last two years, the answer was always yes. Right. It was a matter of like how much and where and how can I help? Um, and that piece for us was particularly tricky. Um, he's an engineer. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um, and I, and many of the reasons why I love him, his groundedness and so on also kind of had this, this side that wasn't particularly helpful because as I'm sure I'm preaching right now, when, when you're in so much pain, it, it shuts down your ability to, for me, it shuts down my ability to communicate. It shuts down your ability to process. It's extremely exhausting. And so having someone be able to check in with you, right? Like is so, so important. And so we also had to really navigate that and in a way like I had to work on receiving it in the way it was intended because I'd be like oh well your tone like once you started asking that it became like oh well you're not asking it in a caring enough tone right mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like that was my own uh Danielle Laporte always talks about like own your half right in an argument in a in a disagreement you have there's often half that you have but don't blame yourself for the hundred percent but don't blame the other person for the hundred percent you know my half was working on like, he might not be saying, Hey, how are you doing? But that's just not how he checks mm-hmm. in ever. So like nothing to do with his level of care for me. So yeah, that, that piece in particular was, was, I would say one of the trickier ones. Definitely. Uh, my dude's a math dude. So I totally get you. Yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're having a twin moment. No, it's great. I just read this really fucked up book. It's so dark and twisted. Uh, and the basis of it is that one, it was twin reabsorption, which actually happened. Um, but like the other, tw- the twin that had been reabsorbed's heart was living on and like driving. It was so dark. Oh my God. So dark Mandy McGinnis, This Darkness Mind for anyone who's interested in a really twisty, dark white. I'm book. so excited. <laughs> I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> Include your, include your Amazon affiliate link in that shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so how do you do the work you do? Like what, what goes into all of these cool things that you do? What's the behind the scenes? Yeah. Uh, a lot of self-doubt oh, and yeah. fear and bucking the fuck up. Um, so I'm actually, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm co-working today with my friend Rachel, um, who is the author and person behind a movement called The Sex, a book and movement called The Sex Myth. And she and I have so many conversations about this all the time. Um, 
and a lot of just the like nitty gritty, like tedious work of like, for example, college speaking, just literally going on college websites and finding the student groups that would be a good connection and emailing them. And like, it's not glamorous. It's not particularly fun. I kind of hate it actually and cannot wait till I have an assistant who can do it for me. Um, But at the end of the day, it's a bit of a numbers game. So if you email enough student groups at enough schools, someone says yes. Um, And so there's a lot of of just getting out there and doing the hard work um, and doing the boring, tedious work. You know, that idea that like, if you love your work, you'll never work a day in your life. Like, go because particularly when you're a solopreneur, particularly when you're starting and growing, and particularly when you cannot work 100% full-time, which is how I classify myself. I have four physical therapy appointments a week, plus regular therapy, plus the whatever random doctor check-ins I have that week. Um, it takes time. That takes, that is, those are working hours that I lose. Um, and having to take care of my body because I function better and I'm better able to focus and do stuff when I take care of myself. Trey, as it sounds, I know. If you're rolling your eyes, I forgive you because I have rolled mine. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, it's continually getting out there and just keeping on trying. And I don't do great with rejection, mostly because I was into my mid twenties by the time I really dealt with in really intense rejection. Um, and so it's again, thank God for therapy. Uh, but also like pitching yourself is a real good life lesson in, in de- learning how to deal with rejection. Um, yeah. And I also, so there's that piece. And then there's also, for me, one of the most important pieces has been having community, um, both other people doing work within sex and sexuality and sexual health and pleasure and reproductive health, but also business people um, who are open to this work and are willing to engage with the obstacles um, and also do a nice balance of support and tough love say yeah that doesn't just happen to people who are working in sex that's happened to me too so like let's get over it and move on to what we need to do and you're like okay cool okay got it okay um so there's there's a group that i virtually co-work with twice a week um there are big groups that i'm in um uh masterminds that's the word i'm that's the word i'm looking for here we go Word fine doesn't always work, y'all. Sometimes pain sucks with oh, word yes. fine. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, that that's a little bit of the of the behind the scenes. I, I mostly ask that for selfish reasons. So <laughs> that's totally fine. That's totally fine. Yeah, I've been for the past three years. I've been a part of this program called the Conquer Club. Um, that has been just completely and totally game changing for me. Um, and then last year I did bring on a business strategist who is like part mentor, part bestie, part boss bitch, um, <laughs> boss witch actually, um, who like I call when I'm having a breakdown about work, who I call when I need strategy guidance. So um, definitely investing has been very scary, but I have, I have seen the results of that. <laughs> Fold, 20 fold I haven't tracked it so I'm just gonna throw out numbers and add the word fold after it there you go that. it works um, really supportive communities again um 
and really supportive people who are aligned with the work that I'm doing, even if it's not the work that they're doing. There's some through line in some way, shape or form. Speaking of the work that you're doing, I heard you have a workshop coming up. I do. You're so good. Look at you. you. So I am partnering with a mindfulness coach and we are doing a mindful sex workshop on February 1st here in New York, right in like Chelsea Flatiron area. Um, and I'm so, so excited about it. I, I met Tanya, who's the mindfulness coach at a workshop I attended hosted by her, co-hosted by her and someone else who I had met through another workshop. You know what I mean? Some of those things. <laughs> and I went up to her at the end and I was just like, we need to do something together. And it has been this, the entire process has been so full of ease. I can't even, I'm like, everything has just clicked and gone well so far. Knock on wood. <laughs> and I'm super, super excited about it because we both of us are really committed to challenging the like oversimplified, like just breathe deep, breathe into your insert general name here type of thing. Um, we're just both like, no, no, that, that's not how it goes. Actually, we have to talk about context and we have to talk about building these practices into your everyday life so that when you're in a higher stakes situation like sex, which for most of us, sex is a little scary because it's really vulnerable because there's bodies on bodies. Uh, so if you practice these things in your life, it's easier to incorporate them in sex. So yeah, so it's, it's all about, you know, getting out of your head and enjoying the moment in really practical ways that again, go beyond the just like take a deep breath. Although we will probably be telling people to take a deep breath as well. Breathing is good. Breathing is so good. But we really, we're really excited to offer a, just a whole variety of different tools for people to use. So that way people can really find what works for them. Because like with anything, nothing is one size fits all. Mindfulness is not one size fits all. Sex is not one size fits all. I love that so much. And I wish I was like going to be in New York like so bad right now. I wish not too. I'm so stoked. And she's like, such a bad, like, she's like, she's so cool. I like don't feel cool enough to be represented. She's just so like, she dresses really cool. And I'm just like, you're you're so cool. (laughs) You guys have to expand this into like a conference workshop. Yeah, I'm really hoping. So we we kind of are, you know, we we were like, oh, let's just do this. Like, it'll be fun. And then we've seen such a great response to it that we were like, oh, I guess like people really are into this. Um, so I think we'll probably be doing another one later in the year in New York as well. And then um, who knows where we'll go from there. And I'm kind of envisioning something like a, a like a day long intensive where we can really dig into some of the practices and and so on and so forth. And yeah, we'll see where it goes. It's been um, the mindfulness piece, as I mentioned, has been really huge for me. And again, finding ways to we- make it fit into my life, my life, my health, my sex life, my relationship um, has been really important. And that's a journey I've mostly been on solo. So it's nice to be partnering with someone who's like trained in how to do this and has such a great holistic perspective on what mindfulness is and what it isn't. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Like, oh, I have chills right now. Like I actually literally have chills and it's not because I turned the heater off. I would say I'm schwitzing because this phone booth I'm in at this co-working space is like claustrophobic. (laughs) 
I'm like so tiny and I don't know if there's like a heat lamp, but I'm only in a dress today, so I can't even take layers <laughs> off. Because like, there are no layers to take off. Schwitz and hard. <laughs> just just take a deep breath, Kate. Just like, take a deep breath and release it all magically cool. <laughs> <laughs> there will be none of that at this workshop, I promise. All, all of you, everyone listening, I promise. I feel like you'd like, like visually slap someone, like with your eyes, if they, <laughs> if they tried to pull that, you know, like just like shoot them, like the dirtiest look. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely not. Yeah. I've been running a um, a kind of like community event for for women as well once a month. Um, and so we've been doing some of it there. And what really pushed me to actually do the mindful sex workshop is I used one of Tan- with her permission, one of Tanya's meditations at our December, I don't know, one of the meetups last year, um, where the, the entire theme was love and kindness. And everyone was just like totally blown away, including people who had never met. We had a couple people in that group who had never meditated oh, before. Wow. And they were just like, this is the best thing ever. And I was like, this really needs to happen. Cause like, I kind of just baited your work with my community and they loved it. So like now it has to happen. <laughs> That's so great. And like yeah. loving kindness is my favorite like thing to meditate on. Absolute favorite. I really struggle with it. I'll be honest. <laughs> well, I struggle with it when it gets to me. Like I'm good about it with the other people. Uh, see, I struggle with it. So she does, um, does she do you, someone you love, someone who's like neutral and then someone who you like don't love basically. And then she ends with like all of you, like visualizing all of you together. And like, it is like, I'm okay with the me part. I'm also an Aries. So just so everyone knows, I'm okay with me. I'm okay with, you know, the first two. But by the time we, I get to, like, someone I'm not feeling, uh, although a couple times it was my dog. Right after we got the dog, there's a lot of, like, vitriol mm. towards him. Uh, puppy depression is a real thing, FYI. And it mimics postpartum. I had this moment where I was like, holy shit, I check all of the boxes on postpartum right now. Oh, fuck! Um... But yeah, that that's the one for me that I'm just like, okay, but she she just times it. Well. I don't know. She, there's just something about the way that she does it that I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. We need to like bottle her, clone her and bottle her, not just bottle her. That sounded horrible. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not. Uh, no, not just bottling her. I know. Um, so yeah, hopefully hopefully we'll take that on the road. I'm taking my, my community circle on the road. So hopefully, hopefully it'll be traveling soon. That would be so cool. Yeah. So I have three questions that I ask everybody. Okay. Hit me up. So the first one is what is your favorite curse word? Fuck. Yep. I know it's like basic, but just you can use fuck in in every type right? of way. It can be positive, it can be negative, it can be neutral, like adjective or a noun or a verb. It can be like any part of speech. Perfect. It's just it's like the most fucking merciful word there is. I love the word fuck. Me too. Like I I would say it's my favorite. Although I'm also I recently played like the Wolfenstein video games. 
go Nazis. <laughs> you, you go around and kill Nazis. It's it's great. Um, it actually really is. And there's like really good disability representation. And it's I need to write nice. about it because at one point you're like in a submarine in a wheelchair shooting Nazis. Oh my gosh, and awesome. one of the people she she doesn't make it too long into the second game, but like spoiler alert, um, she has a colostomy bag and like is in a wheelchair yes. and stuff. I will have to send you stuff because it is so good. Yeah, you definitely need to write about that. It's I'm so excited, so cool. but I'm cool. you know playing this game and. You, you're in the subway in New York and, you know, the there's been a bomb dropped and whatever. And you realize that the train you're driving is going to, like, run into things. <laughs> and he just starts going, cock. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like, you know what? Not as versatile as fuck. No. But it's growing on me. Wonderful. I like it. Like nobody ever uses it like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I also like fuck because there is no like presumed gender around it. Yes. So I've been trying to not use bitch lately because I unless it's in a positive like boss bitch way by someone who's like who owns that title for themselves. Uh, They're really mindful of that lately because. Yeah. That's so smart. And misogyny and bullshit. Right. If you. But asshole would be the close second because we all, you know, everyone, well, most, actually, not everyone That's has true. an asshole. With IBD and other digestive things, fun fact, get what's called a Barbie butt. And it is exactly what it sounds like. So, most people have assholes. <laughs> most people at least know what one looks like. Yes, exactly. You can visualize it. <laughs> um, what is your favorite thing that you do to pamper yourself or to practice self-care? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can pick a couple. I don't want to choose only one. Um, I love reading romance novels. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I love, love, love romance and YA. Um, so I'd say reading is, is really high up there. Um, followed closely. I already mentioned Epsom Salt Baths and um, in my restorative yoga class. Um, masturbating is also very mm-hmm. high on the list. Mm-hmm. So, so high on the list. Uh, I just had one more and I forgot. Oh, and I do love, again, basic answer. Um, I have a massage therapist who I just adore and just like knows how to how to treat my body um, in a really intuitive beautiful way physically and like energetically emotionally um and so that, that's a more rare treat I wish that could be a more regular treat um she's also only like one stop away on the subway she's convinced oh my god um yeah, she's close she's got a beautiful view of Manhattan it's amazing um so yeah those, those are my things those are good things i also love cooking there's also cooking Ooh. sorry i'm just gonna keep listing them um i've actually been a recipe tester for like half a dozen cookbooks and i 
file this under things Kate can understand but not comprehend uh, is like like people who don't love cooking. It's so therapeutic for me. Like you had a bad day, you like take it out of the carrots or the kale or beating if you if you're a meat eater, like tenderizing your meat. Like you just like take that shit out on, on the food. Absolutely. So therapeutic. What's, what's your favorite thing to cook? Do you have a favorite thing? I feel like that's really limiting. No. To just be like one. No, I don't have a favorite thing because I don't cook the same. I very rarely cook the same recipe twice. That's cool. Yeah, I like hate it. it drives my partner nuts sometimes. He's like, we can we can make a recipe. And I'm like, no, we need all. There's so many recipes to try and explore. And like, I, I can't be limited. It's like books. I'm like, I keep buying books even though I haven't read all the ones I have yet. Like, there's just so many to read. And there's just so many recipes to make. Um, so yeah, I, I cannot answer it's, that. It's hard. I, I think. I'll have them making a homemade vegan cheesecake lately. Though. Oh, that sounds good. We'll go with, I've been making a lot of like cashew, like nut and, and soy based cheeses at home. That's awesome. Yeah. Kind of wishing I had some <laughs> with me right now. Cause I'm like, okay. So this one's a hard one. I mean, it might not be hard for you, but it's usually hard. Um, what's your favorite thing about yourself? Whoa, I have so many. Hashtag <laughs> 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 Aries. Um, hmm. Okay, I'm Oh, goodness. Yeah, this is hard. Uh, you were right. I was kind of waiting for favorite sex toy, and I have that answer totally You can prepared. totally share that, too. Uh, you threw me for a loop there. Favorite thing about myself. Um, you're catching me mid-therapeutic oh, no. breakthrough. <laughs> this is um, I, I would probably say my energy, if anyone listening can tell. Um, but that's also kind of wrapped up in how my energy was, was really taken when I was super sick. And so that's a little bit more of a complex answer than it used to be. Um, Body-wise, I love my booty and my collarbone. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, you know what? I'm going to go with this. The thing I love the most about myself is I'm choosing, I'm making a decision, um, is that it's really easy for me to experience orgasm. And I'm so fucking grateful that for is that. Awesome. So, boom, there we go. <laughs> That's a pretty damn good answer. Pretty good answer. <laughs> I have to say, though, like, you mentioning your collarbone, I, for a long, 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 long time, that was always my favorite part of me, too. And I've never met anybody else who was like, I have a kick-ass <laughs> collarbone. Like, <laughs> That's for 20s so hard right oh. now. <laughs> I think, too, it's partially, like, I feel like my collarbone is a really stable part of my body. It sounds really weird, but like no matter what fluctuations are happening anywhere else, like my collarbone is just like, there's a stability and like a groundedness in it. Now we're getting told you we're going to get woo. Uh, that I just like, it's really, it makes it a little like easy to appreciate. And also like, again, that because I'm someone who's super sensitive and so on and so forth, it's nice to have something that just like, it looks the same. No matter like anything else. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I see. That, that's part of it for me. That's not everything. But yay. Hi. Hi, collar bone loving. Yay. 
Okay, so now, Sal, I want to hear more about your favorite sex toy. Now I'm excited about this. Oh, we both, I didn't have to think about it. We both touch. There's actually, I was doing a video about my favorite toys, my favorite external toys. Um, and there is a moment as I was reviewing it where I literally like hug it to me and like nuzzle it. <laughs> and I didn't even realize I did it until I watched the video and I was like, that's about it. Yep, right. Uh, we both touch is my favorite, hands down. Um, the tango is too strong for me. It actually, I can't use it on its own because it triggers some nerve stuff. Um, and I love just like the options the touch gives where like you can have more pinpoint, you can have more broad, it can cover like my entire vulva. So it like can get clitoral and vaginal opening stimulation. And like, I just, I think also it was my first like real, like luxury body safe, whatever term I never know like real sex toy that wasn't um it's like the first time I used it I was on a friend's couch (laughs) and I was like okay I can't get it past setting one because then it's going to be too loud Uh, so there's just like a lot of good there's like good backstory and memory and it just nothing else stimulates me in the way that stimulates me makes me so happy that's amazing I'm totally wondering. I'm like, my friend, yeah, no, my friend doesn't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I feel like... I'm like, there are more details that I will give you when we aren't recording that make it a better story, but then it's really obvious which of my friends it was. So I'm not on the podcast. But I will tell you because you will appreciate oh, it. Oh, I'm so, so sorry hard. about this. <laughs> sorry, y'all. Unity is over here. <laughs> well, speaking of being done recording... Um... Thank you yeah. for coming on. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This is so Super fun. fun. And I'm so excited that we got to like twin out more. Ooh, me too. If you want to snag a ticket to that really exciting workshop that Kate's having that I really wish I was going to be in New York for because holy crap. Um, you can go to her website and that's passionbykate.com slash speaking events. Please note that Kate spells her name K-A-I-T. So when you're going to her site, make sure you spell it right. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to be back for season two. I think I've said that uh, several times in this episode so far and um, really excited to bringing you guys new content so stick around chronic sex is produced every two weeks by me kirsten schultz i use music from poddington bear because they're awesome you can find show notes and more over at chroniccex.org if you're enjoying listening to the show please subscribe and that way you won't miss a single episode if you're on itunes It'd be really chill if you take a minute to rate the show too. Not only does it give me great feedback, but it also helps the podcast get seen by people who may not know it exists. And that's pretty cool. You can support us over at patreon.com slash chronic sex. As always, you can find links to everything at chroniccex.org from social media accounts to resources, to sex toy reviews, and more. Until next time, please take care of yourself and remember that you are a freaking badass.